You're listening to The Interrobang Room, a podcast that challenges individuals to be passionately curious. My name is Douglas Witherup, and I'm the senior pastor to the Multiply family of churches. Join us as I sit down with industry leaders as we laugh, converse, and sometimes debate our way through how to approach life with a spirit of discovery and adventure. Welcome to the Interrobang Room. I'm your host, Doug Witherup, here again with John Hernandez and Zach Witt. Good to be back with you guys after a couple of weeks of uh, us being on vacation. So we're back in the saddle. What we're going to do today, fellas, is we're going to continue a conversation that we had two weeks ago. We were at a, a coffee shop in Columbia, South Carolina, and we were sitting there and we started talking about the idea of deconstructionism. Deconstructionism. So uh, already for our for our listeners, let me just hit pause there because you hear that word and uh, before you tune out, yeah. <laughs> what is that? This has nothing to do with, with my life. Here's where I would draw the immediate parallel to um, a lot of people in our society today are asking like from all different sides and all different camps, like what's just like what's going on? What's going on with society today? Mm. And I think that um, if they understand deconstructionism, the concept of deconstructionism, where it came from, and uh, if we can explain it, and then maybe at the end of this even offer some alternative solutions and how we deal with it. I'm not saying uh, I may solve, we may solve none of your problems today, but, but you'll at least be able to say like something like, oh, I understand where this problem that we're walking through as a culture and a society comes from. So deconstructionism, we hit this on, um, several episodes back, but let me catch you up to speed on basically what the concept is. So it started out as a literary movement in Europe, Jacques Derrida, and Zach can give you a little bit more of the background later, the year and everything, but it was it was a literature literary movement. So in literature, in the study of literature prior to deconstructionism, um, it all centered around the concept of this. Who was the author and what was the author's intent to communicate to his or her original audience. So when Homer wrote the Iliad, there was a context which Homer lived in a certain town in a certain city. He was writing to certain people. He had he had ideas and philosophies that he wanted to communicate to his audience. And so he writes this epic story, the Iliad. Mm-hmm. So that was how people for for centuries for centuries approached literatures. They just asked the question, like who was the author and what was the context of the author? Who was the author's audience? And what was he trying to communicate? And once you establish that, then you could argue or debate the ideas. Like, well, I agree with what Homer was trying to communicate or I don't agree with what he was trying to communicate. So Jacques Derrida came on the scene and introduced this idea of deconstruction. And basically it was this what the author intended doesn't matter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the core ideas don't matter it's whatever so so we find this there's no absolute truth right it's your truth yeah it's your truth and so um if you're listening to this we usually throw a clip online on facebook it may be worth you hopping over uh to to facebook and you can access this through uh cfa church through CFA Church, through the CFA Church face, Facebook page. But I've got um, a couple of diagrams here, 
And so what deconstructionism does, so let me describe my, describe my drawings as, uh, as I'm uh, walking through them. So if you can't jump over there and look at the images, at least you can do it, do it in your mind. So if you think of, uh, let me explain it in terms of a building. So if you're deconstructing a building, you're, you're taking apart the building, right? That's what the, the term means. I'm taking apart a the building. But with the idea of, of deconstructionism, it's not about absolute truth. It's about my truth. Right. My truth. How am I feeling? What does this mean to me? And it's totally disconnected from any absolutes or, or the author. And so what you find as a, re, as a result of that, um, the goal is to get to yourself, not, not a truth. The goal is to get to yourself and how you're feeling at the moment. And what we find is that a lot of times there is no intent. So you, you think, well, if I'm taking something apart, then I'm going to build something on the other side of that. Yeah. And John, you talk about this, but uh, a lot of times that's not the intent at all. Nope. There's no intent to build anything on the other side of this. So what that, what that can lead to is just anarchy, yeah. right? Or, and, and then what rises what rises in anarchy is is dictators. Usually. So usually, usually. So so you have, and we can walk down this in, in greater application. It pertains to democracy and that sort of things, maybe later. But um, so th so so. Anyways, those are the 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 problem. Let me throw out one pro one problem with deconstruction. So so one of the problems is if there's never intent to build anything on the other side, then imagine just walking through a city and saying, I don't like that building and smashing that building to bits, but not wanting to build anything on the other side. Okay. But let's say, let's say, well, um, okay. We smashed down a building. We got to live. We got to live somewhere. Um, got to do something with culture. We got to do something with society. So if the core of deconstructionism is to find my truth, then to build something, you need a blueprint. So we have, if we have 300 people walking through a city and they just smashed five buildings and they all want to, well, we got to build, we got to build something. We got to put some kind of structure up. Then if each one of those people found their truth now, now Zach, what you have is you have 300 different sets of blueprints. Yeah. And if you've ever tried to <laughs> cook a meal with two people in the kitchen and they each are approaching it differently, like. Their goal may to be to make tortillas or to, to make yeah. tacos, but uh, I like corn tortillas and you like flour tortillas. I yeah. want chicken, you want beef. Like there's as many opinions. Right. Uh, so so if you have 300 different architects saying, um, "Here's my blueprints. Here's my blueprints. Here's my. I want to run the plumbing this way. Yeah. I want to run the heating this way. We're gonna build uh, the steel structure this way." Well, guess what? It I mean, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so maybe this is starting to make sense a little bit of, of some of the problems that, we're that we've created for ourselves in society is we've kind of built a little bit of a mess because for decades now we've been deconstructing things and we've each been coming with <clears throat> this is my truth and there's no general set of agreements and that sort of thing. So before we dive into to any uh, solutions, you were talking about, one of you said it earlier, but you talked about the, the idea of a wrecking ball um, approach to this. Like, yeah. how, how do you see that playing out? 
Yeah. So at its core, like you said, with, with deconstructionism, it is it is tearing down. So going back to your uh, analogy of walking through uh, a city or a town and just tearing down uh, a building. When you deconstruct something, I think there's two ways to approach it. You can either take a wrecking ball approach, yeah, and you just destroy you destroy the structure with no intent uh, of using any of the materials right. to establish something new. Yeah. And again, at its core, that John, you've pointed to this. At its core, that that is what deconstructionism is. It's to tear it down so that we're all on this level playing field. So, so pa- let's pause right there and let's yep. walk th- through this um, really, really practically. So let's just talk about let's talk about the idea of democracy, mm-hmm. or let me let me change it. Let's talk about the idea of capitalism. Okay, okay? hot button word right yep. now, right? Yeah. Let's talk about the idea of capitalism. So I think everybody would say that there are certain expressions of capitalism in our society that that we don't like. Maybe it's um, things to do with inequality, or maybe it's um, hey, this company got too greedy, or uh, we see some people taking advantage. You know, there's something. Not everybody agrees with every expression right. of capitalism. So, um, let's say, so we don't like the top layer of this building, and we say, well, well, let's peel this back. Let's get to the, one of the expressions. Yeah, let's get. We don't like this expression of capitalism. Right. So let's let's walk through not deconstructionism at its core, but the process of right. Um, so Zach, you used a, another phrase instead of wrecking ball, yeah. which it, for decades now, that's what we've done. We've just re- blow, blow it all up. Right. Wrecking ball. You used another, uh, metaphor. Yeah. I think it's, uh, instead of taking a, a wrecking ball approach, it's taking a surgical approach. Yeah. So, uh, I think there's, when you, when you look at a surgeon and he, he or she has a, a scalpel and they're. Uh, cutting into a, a body to to deconstruct or to fix or to change something that was um, to cut out a tumor or or whatever the case may be, uh, it's done with a skill opposed to oh well there's something wrong with that arm so let's just cut the whole arm off. Yeah, and and so with surgery it's a it's both a process. Mm-hmm. The process is different. So what if as a culture when we saw an expression of something that we didn't like instead of just wrecking ball the whole thing instead of saying capitalism is the enemy and i'm just i'm just using this as as an example um capitalism is the enemy let's get rid of it all begin to take a surgical approach Mm. and then the and then the idea of surgery is that you get to put it back together well but before you do that, you got to get to the you got to get to, get to, to the, the root the root of the problem. Yeah, you got to get you got to get to the to the to the root of the problem. So, let's keep keep on with our example of uh, capitalism. I would I would argue um, that if you want to have a, ca- a a discussion on whether capitalism is the the best economic model for our current society, you can't have that discussion. Until you surgically go through the process and get to the root and find out who's the author. So go back, go, go back. Who's the author and what are the core ideas? Well, the author and the core ideas of capitalism came from Adam Smith. So my humble opinion is that if you have not read Adam Smith, then you haven't earned a right to have a voice at the table until you understand the original author and the original core ideas. Now, once you understand that, you may say, 
and I don't like those core ideas. Hey, fine, mm-hmm. but but yeah. I'm just saying we can't we can't rebuild and unless we unless we understand um, understand and how how that works. Yeah, I, I would go a step further, Doug. I think some of the problem is the motivation of the inspection. What I mean by that is you talked about it earlier. That radical individualism that we find almost in every aspect of our culture. Um, what, regardless what side of the aisle you're on politically, regardless what, what format, um, uh, deconstructionism has a tendency of veiling itself quite well in, in, in a lot of nuances of culture. And uh, Zach mentioned it, you mentioned it earlier, but at the core, our hyper-individualism yeah. makes getting to the root really difficult. Yeah. Because uh, like right now, before I get to John Adams, even in my inspection of John Adams' writing, am I viewing it through a lens of uh, how it affects the world or is I'm viewing it through a lens of how it affects me? And that yeah. lens wow. determines how wow. I cut. Yeah, It really does. I mean, when you think about how this affects almost every aspect of what we do right now, um, if you're searching in your researching and in your deconstruction, if you're searching for a... a uh, a, an opinion on a topic to suit your opinion, then you may lose the fact that's staring you in the face because you're fighting so intently to get to your core truth wow. versus what's actually there. Yeah. And it's a danger that we, you know, uh, so much of this you can blame on so many different things. But right now, between our ingrained culture of personal freedom, which quite honestly, even saying that, like the core of the word freedom and the core of the word friend are actually the same word. Hmm. Freedom outside of relationship isn't freedom at all. Wow. It's just not. So when we consider truth, we have to consider it in the terms of relationship, and yet so much of our American upbringing, our Western idea says, no, no, I have personal freedom. That means my truth can be personalized, wow. right? Wow, absolutely. That decon- that that, that uh, eliminates inability for us to ever find a common truth that we can march forward on on any topic and then unfortunately technology is has created a hyper sense of that isolation right because you really can find articles and truth and opinions and i'm using air quotes a lot that you can't see if you're listening to this <laughs> on absolutely almost every angle of the same conversation yeah which makes this really hard well, well that idea of se- self yeah. Right. So, so talk to us, Zach, just a little bit about, cause that was the heart of go back to Derrida and yeah. deconstructionism. It, it was sent, it was truly self-centered. Right. It, it, the, here, here's the, here's the nuance of the whole uh, concept of deconstructionism that I find fascinating is that this was coined in the sixties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not talking something nope. that is ancient philosophy, Yeah. right? We're not wow. talking something wow. that we're not going back to ancient philosophers we're going to the 60s. Yeah. Uh, so, in fact, Derrida passed away in the early 2000s. So he's, wow. it, it's that new. That Th- recent. This concept is that recent. However, it's manifesting probably faster at, or at a more rapid rate than any other type of philosophy. Another author, um, Jay uh, Hills Miller, says this. He says that uh, deconstruction isn't the dismantling. And this is, uh, let me go back. This is more on the literature side. Yeah. We, we mentioned that in a conversation earlier, but deconstruction isn't a dismantling of a text, but that the text is already dismantled uh, itself. So then the problem at its core, John, you just said this, was that it's individualistic. And, and so 
if we think about that for a second, so it's internally driven what you said, it's your personal thoughts and how you interpret what you're approaching. Now, now here's what changes. It's no longer the time frame in which you're reading. It's no longer the culture in which you're reading, but it's based off the argument that you just had with your coworker. Mm. It's based off of how uh, your emotions towards your spouse was that morning. It's based off the of the change. It changes for me fifteen times an hour. Oh, 15, 15 times every fifteen <laughs> minutes, right? right. Like, so, so it's it's my emotions, yeah. which constantly change. Constantly. So, so then, I think I think that's why, at its core, deconstructionism can't be rebuilt because it's constantly changing. Without wow, that. the so, target keeps moving. It, exactly, and so it's talking about that reappearing target. And we've mentioned that a few times, but it's that reappearing target that that pops up fifteen yards down that, that we didn't expect to pop up. Yeah. So we can never rebuild because we never have the root firm. Yeah. Because it's always constantly changing. So. We have to change that lens from uh, I-centric, right? It, it can't be me first. And so when we go to the root, the root can't be self. Um, here, here's what's scary, John. I think you and I talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, but we talked about Alexa and how you can cater news yeah. to what you want your news to say. Yep. So you can say, Alexa, this is technology that's coming. Alexa, give me news, and it's news based on your preferences. <laughs> wow. It's not news yeah. based on reality, what's yeah. going on in the world. Yeah. It's news based on what you want to hear. Sure. And so that uh, is a, a concept that, that I think we all struggle with. The term is curation. Okay. And um, at its core, curation started off, um, you can go back you know, to newspapers, and what they would do is they would curate content to the mass audience. Well, there was money there until the internet came out. And what they found was that people are usually naturally half decent at curating. So now you have, you know, billion dollar companies that have determined, no, 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 we want to make sure that we can curate so we can stick ads, we can sell mm -hmm. things to you. And it, what they create is hyper echo chambers that just re, re, just just keep re, uh, regurgitating the same news the same kind of news the same if you're reading the same type of stuff over and over from the same type of authors over and over no doubt. you're you're seeing hyper tribalism so we're talking about isolation quite a bit yeah. and yet even in isolation you see these hyper tribes that develop P.S. They're all loosely affiliated tribes, right? Because nobody's loyal to anything. They just jump from tribe to tribe. But in that hyper-tribalism, you see those echo chambers start to develop. Um, I, I got a really practical hack. Do you mind me throwing yeah, this yeah, in? Yeah. So I, um, I was reading a book, and as I read a book, um, I, I have a tendency of when I really like a quote that somebody writes in, I'll go and check out where they wrote it or what, what book they pulled it from. And I, uh, Apple, Apple iBooks allows you to sample a book. Did you know this? So you can sample a book. It'll download a chapter for free that you can read. Okay. You can highlight that chapter. So like <laughs> I have like 15 books <laughs> that I've just <laughs> highlighted a bunch of stuff in yeah. just from that first chapter. And you yeah. can go back and read it. Like one of the books right now, I say that all because one of the books I'm reading right now is called Psychopolitics, uh, written by a South Korean. And, you know, again, just a little bit of a disclaimer. This is not a, a Christian book. This is just one of those books about, um, you know, psychology and how it affects politics and where we're at currently. Uh, but so much of this conversation is not just conversations we're having as a church, we're having as a culture, we're having a, a, in our political climate. Because if I can get into those curated lists, if I can get into those echo chambers, I can submit candidates that you want to vote for. I yep. can submit products that you want to buy. And it's becoming more and more polarizing, and that's the danger of some of the stuff that we're walking through. Yeah, abs absolutely. And 
uh, you know, history, history always brings perspective. And, um, John, you coined, we did an episode a couple of times ago on postmodernism. I encourage our, our listeners, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that episode because it's kind of a little bit of a precursor or uh, at least parallel to, to this episode. But our, our debate was um, what's next after post, post-modernity. And, John, you used the term hyper-post-modernity or yeah. hyper-post-modernism. And honestly, the more that I think about it, the more that – like I don't want this to be true, but I think I think you're right, and it is that curated stuff of we we feed ourselves now. Now the historical part of what I felt found interesting is this: I was at the Outer Banks a couple of weeks ago, so I grabbed a David McCullough book on the Wright brothers. So I figured I'm in, <laughs> I'm in Nags Head or Kitty Hawk, why not read about well. the Wright brothers? Here's a crazy thing: fake news. Like you want to talk about crazy <laughs> fake news yes. cycles? It was surrounding the Wright brothers a hundred years ago. Yeah, like yeah. this thing was, it's been around. It's just now it's hyper mm-hmm. and it's cure. Like there was one newspaper in your town. Yep. You didn't have a choice. Right. You, got, you read that newspaper. Yeah. You got global news once a, once a week. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Global week once a month, national news once a week. And every day was your local, this cat's lost. Here's a, you know, car for sale. Like yeah. it, it's just a totally different world. You're right. Yeah. So, um, what I, what I would like to throw out is, is, so how, how do we navigate? Because we see things in our culture that we're like, man, I don't know that I like the expression of that. What I would like to offer is not just a critique of deconstruction, a critique of deconstructionism, but but a solution and it's a it's a two-part alternative option let me put it that way a two-part alternative option number one instead of the wrecking ball approach Mm. the surgical approach zach I, i love that because i may find in doing surgery that i got to the root and i agree with the i got to the root and i fixed the root but I cut if I didn't if I used a wrecking ball I cut off my arm right and I'm like oh like oh crap yeah. <laughs> I should I shouldn't have done that yeah like if we I had a hangnail <laughs> exactly if our conversations are not wrecking ball conversations if I throw my wrecking ball at your life and you right. throw your wrecking ball back at my philosophy and I throw your my wrecking ball at your religion but like if we begin to carefully and surgically mm. um dissect the goal is not destroy the goal is understand the root Mm. like do you do you see the difference the goal is understand the root now i may when i begin to surgically uh dissect your philosophy i may not agree with it but that process is different and what i do with that is different so the first the first uh, i think on the other side of deconstructionism, one, if we sur- surgically dissect, and then two um, would be this concept of radicalism. And at first you might hear that term and think, well, isn't that what you talked about that was a result of deconstructionism, the anarchy, the dictator living, you know, this, this radical anarchy. 
And what I mean by that is the ra radicalism in the truest sense of the word. So, so radical before it got hijacked by Michelangelo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> and the Tony Hawk <laughs> skater culture of the 90s. The word radical simply comes from the Latin radix, which means root. So it means root. So if I live a radical life, I live according to the core ideas of whatever that I was attempting to um, discover. So what if instead of demolishing and not rebuilding, my, my uh, approach was to surgically dissect mm. and get to the root? So, so let's go back to the very beginning. What, what, what do you mean by get to the root? I mean, get to the author and get to the core ideas. Not the expression of those core ideas, but get to the core ideas. Let me, let me make this practical um, in an area that is dear to, to our hearts. So again, one of the goals to this, of this podcast is hopefully, um, hopefully this is reaching an audience that is broader uh, than just a church audience or a Christian faith audience. And we're talking truly about ideas that matter and philosophies that matter across the scope of society. But, but um, the three of us around this table uh, believe, in, believe in Jesus and we believe in the Bible. Mm. Um, Zach, one of, the, one of the critiques of the Christian faith that I've heard in recent years uh, uh, was it Gandhi who said um, basically the concept of like, why are you Christians so unlike your Christ? Mm. I like your Christ. Mm -hmm. Not so crazy about you Christians. Mm. Yeah. So, um, but one of the, the critiques some people may have is they have an idea of what Christianity is, maybe because of a certain political expression mm. or wrapped in any number so there's some expressions of that my my challenge would be examine the core ideas surgically dissect right. and get to the core yeah. ideas of okay who was the author of this right. faith for us it's it's christ it's right. jesus right so beginning to maybe read scripture um for yourself not yeah. what a preacher said about scripture, but read scripture and just asking yourself these questions of like, okay, who was Jesus? Mm -hmm. What were his teachings? Do I believe in who he said he was? Like that could be a different approach right. to to finding truth in your in your life. Yeah, I, I would um so yeah, I love the fact that you always have a tendency of the kind of describing who we are. Because at the core of it, I think the church you know, like so when I say church, I want to be careful to separate church from uh, the church, the people from institution. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I think sometimes right. we get in this conversation and people would say, well, the institution of the church isn't equipped to do anything right now because they're struggling with their own identity. And amen, we can we can talk about that. But truthfully, at the core, the bride of Christ, the children of God, which I believe is the church, are uniquely uh, equipped to handle this process of surgery because we believe in the great physician and the use of the spirit of God enabling through us to yeah. navigate what surgery looks like. Because yeah. I think sometimes with that surgical process, we have a tendency, of tendency when, we're, when we're, if we're not careful, of cutting everything else except ourselves. Wow. I think a part of this concept of uh, radicalism 
isn't just saying on every front, what is it about capitalism? We'll use that as an example, um, that at, it's at its core. But then the question is also, what is it about capitalism that's making me twins the way that it is? What is it about me that this isn't sitting right yeah. and allowing the spirit of God to do the work of surgery, not only in us, but in the things that are around us. And that's what I believe why we're equipped as surgeons, yeah. if that makes sense. Abs what, absolutely. And I think it's because it's what's already been done to us. Yeah. You know, God didn't deconstruct us and just say, ah, you're, I don't like the way you're living your life in that regard. So let me get rid of all of you. No, he says, hey, let's, let's clean this up. Well, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't sit well with the root of who I've called you to be. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it does equip us because of what's already been done to us. I, I think, um, Doug, you pointed to, you know, w what do we need to do as individuals? I, I think we as individuals need to deconstruct uh, our own thoughts and processes. What have we attached to us? that we might not necessarily believe, but we heard a good tagline and we said, that sounds good. Mm. And we've attached that to the core of who we are. That's yeah. good. There's That's a lot good, of taglines that are flying around sure. right now that, oh, I, I want to associate with that. And when we've attached it to ourselves, but then we dive into the root of what that tag is and we're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in that fully. Yeah. Um, so yeah. taking a, a view at ourselves before we start to deconstruct anything else in sure. society. Let's take a good look at ourselves. Yeah. I would also say to be careful uh, in this hyper culture right now, the demand for an opinion, the demand for action forces us to make opinions and step into action half-heartedly, half-educated. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, uh, we have demonized the middle. Yeah. So uh, like even thinking of our political process, I don't care if you're left or right. If you talk to a friend who's left or right and say that you're voting for somebody who's not one of the two candidates on the left or right, what they're going to tell you right now is you can't just be in the middle because being in the middle means that you're laying your vote for somebody else, right? Like that's, that's a lot of the process. I'm not, you know, you can go back and forth on politics, but we can't live in that place where we're not afraid to develop third lines mm. of thinking, yeah. you know, because the, 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 the tribe, the hyper tribalism is forcing us to have one or two opinions. And at the end of the day, when we really examine it, a lot of these one or two opinions are just steeped in, in, uh, in selfishness and pride mm. and arrogance in the middle, you know, trying to figure out what the Lord says, figuring out what scripture says. And it's okay if it doesn't land us on one of these two extremes. A absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think maybe that third way is, um, I would just challenge all of our listeners to live radically. Yeah. And really what I mean by that is, who, who is the author? Like, who is the author of your life? Is it, is it you or is it Buddha or is it Muhammad or is it Jesus? But like, find, find that out. Find out who the author is. And then what are the core philosophies? What are the core teachings of that? And like, live, live radically out of that. And, and I think that's a, that's certainly a challenge to us as Christ followers yeah. of, in this day, man, I'm not, I don't want to live according to, you know, podcasts and blogs. We're doing one right now, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to live. I'm not going to live my life based on somebody's podcast. Right. I'm not going to live my life based on somebody's blog. I'm not going to live my life based on a book or an article. I want to live radically. Like I want to find, for me, it's Christ. So who is this Jesus? What did he teach? And how can I get to the root of that? 
and and live out of that place. So um, yeah, that one would be my challenge. Like find out what you believe, and and, and you know if you're interested in the teachings of Jesus, I'd pick up a copy of Scripture, start with the Book of John, and and find out you know could it could it be that maybe um, some of some of your uh, adverse feelings to Christianity may be because of some cultural expressions and not the core teachings. So we'll leave with that. Um, thanks for joining us today on the Interrobang Room. As always, we encourage you to continue to live a life of passionate curiosity and discovery.